0: there, Green Future Growers! Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app, and let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just twenty six ninety five, and it's got twelve lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's green garden and just um I hope that it will help you on your garden journey. Uh to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um where you can have healthy food and enjoy um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Do you love to listen to audio as much as I do? Have you ever tried an audio book? As a fan of this podcast, you must already enjoy listening to stories just like the other Green Future Growers. Well, the Organic Gardener Podcast has teamed up with Audible to offer you a free audio book. Just go to www.organicgardenerpodcast forward slash book or type book into the search bar at the organicgardenerpodcast.com and you can get listening to your first audio book today. Can answer or think about something like don't hesitate to put me on hold. It's really easy. And then uh, do you have any questions for me?
1: Oh, not right now. I mean, once I get a a link to the podcast, I'd really like to circulate it around with our network. So if that's okay
0: with you, that would be great. Are you kidding? That would be amazing. Share my podcast. I would love that. And we live in Montana. So we have deer is definitely an issue. Um, And then I was also like looking at your website while you were getting Skype hooked up and thinking that I have a friend, John Moore, who's in Australia, who was recently telling me about their challenges with portable electric fences. And so I was maybe, I don't know if we could talk about that at all. Yes, absolutely. Cool. All right. I'll just introduce you and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast. Today is again Thursday, February 28, 2019. Uh, three people booked interviews today, to say nothing of I did my very first live webinar, which was interesting. Um, But anyway, I have another, and not only this, my second guest is also a rock star millennial from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, and Deer Busters. Here's Jennifer Smith to share with us some information about deer fencing. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we're super happy to have you. So, we'll go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about your background and yourself. How did you end up at Deer Busters? Are you from Pennsylvania? Or, like, what, what got you where you're at?
1: I was born and raised in South Florida. And I am a huge outdoor enthusiast and a gardener. And I was brought up being from Florida with this preconceived notion that Bambi is innocent. He's cute, and he just wants to roam around in the forest. And then I grew up, and I realized deer are actually destructive. (laughs) They are the number one most complained about animals uh, between gardeners and farmers, and they ultimately need to be stopped in their tracks. And so that's where Deer Busters comes in.
0: Huh. well, that's interesting because I still think Bambi is cute and innocent, and we have big deer problems at our house as a fact, Mike and I argued all last spring because somehow the deer got into his brand new mini farm early in the season, and he grumbled about it all summer long, but I felt like the fact that they got in in the spring just made us more vigilant the rest of the year and like imagine if they would have gotten in in August, so Um, but, and then like, also like, because Mike has built great deer fencing around our gardens, not because we haven't had tons of heartache, but they do consider our, like we have 20 acres and it is kind of a sanctuary for them. So I'm kind of, but for sure they can cause a lot of heartbreak and do a lot of damage. And plus also like don't people like sometimes I wonder, do they realize about, um, What's it called Lyme disease? I guess maybe I had a friend in high school who got Lyme disease right after we got out of high school when we first went like our first year in college and was in the hospital for a really long time and like, um, I see people like posting on Facebook sometimes people feeding deer and petting deer, and I'm like, uh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no matter how cute they are.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. And it it's not just a problem for gardeners. it's Lyme disease is certainly an issue for campers, for hikers. Um, And also for pet owners, a lot of uh, pet owners aren't aware that their pets can get Lyme disease. And uh, there are many different types of tick species out there. And Lyme disease is just one of many vector diseases that both humans and pets can receive just because uh, deer and other wildlife drop ticks in the yard. So if we can reroute the deer then we can certainly reduce the amount of uh, diseases that are spread between animal and animal and people to people. So uh, this is just one way to make it happen.
0: Excellent. I love all of this. And having a, you know, strong, dependable deer fence is huge. But Jennifer, I always start my show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid down in South Florida or like, was it when you were an adult? Like, what'd you grow? Who were you with? What was your very first gardening experience you can remember?
1: I remember growing strawberries with my mom in our backyard. And that was um, just something that was very touching, very personal for me. And, um, we we never really had a deer problem in South Florida. I grew up by the beach and I never saw deer until I went to college um, around Tampa. So it, it was something very new to me. And then I moved up north uh, to the Mid-Atlantic region in Maryland and deer are everywhere. And you hear more about deer destruction in gardens and Lyme disease and chronic wasting disease. And it's just a snowball of problems all caused by deer. So it's, um, it's a serious problem. It's not just, it's not just in Florida or Maryland or Pennsylvania. It is a, a huge problem across North America and Deer Busters is here to help.
0: Well, and also, uh, my mom, <laughs> what I was saying is that um, also on Long Island, where my mom lives, I know there's a huge problem with deer, like, especially out in, like, Suffolk County and on the East End, and there's deer everywhere. So, like, how can Deerbusters help people with their deer problems?
1: So Deerbusters is located in Waynes- Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, but. By- We work with many different homeowners, gardeners, pet owners to protect their landscapes from deer damage. And we offer do it yourself deer fencing in plastic and metal fence options. So we have a a whole lot of different fence options for every unique gardener. And you're right, Long Island is a huge problem. Uh, Deer just I love the landscape there, I guess. It's a huge, um, it's just a huge territory for us, and we're here to help uh, growers all across the country with our fencing.
0: Well, I think one of the reasons it's on Long Island is because, well, what- They do have all those beaches, but I think they have a lot of wildlife preserves. There's so many nature walks, so many great places to explore in Long Island. It's so odd because it seems like it's so close to the city, but there are really... They they have a lot of state parks, and I think that probably helps encourage the deer, which... I love to look at the little bambies. but they can be vicious. Like when the mama's like around here, when they're babies, like our dogs and cats all have to watch out. They, they can kick and they can fight off some pretty strong dogs. Those moms. Oh, you're
1: right. And actually deer breeding season happened at the end of the year and homeowners should expect to see baby fawns uh, within the next couple of weeks in March and April. So We're going to see even more deer and an influx. And those does, they are protective of their young. Their young stay with their their mother deer um, for at least a year before they go off on their own. So we're going to see quite a lot more deer and uh, deer movement is going to bring wildlife encounters with pets
0: and possible attacks as well. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like D, what was it? DYI, DIY. I never remember. Do it yourself, DIY. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, like I, like I've said, Mike, my husband is really good about putting up pretty strong fences that last a long time. But I know if I was trying it, it wouldn't be so easy. I'm not as handy with a drill gun or hammer or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: Well, so uh, for a do-it-yourself project uh, from DeerBusters.com, you really don't need to be that handy. DearBusters offers uh, fence installation videos and instructions on the website, and anyone could do it. I've even done it, and I'm not the handiest person in the world. All you need are a few basic tools, maybe some helpful friends, and you can get the job done within a day or two. It's
0: so easy. Awesome. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your garden journey? Like, what's something that grew well in your garden? Did you grow a garden in Pennsylvania last summer? Yes.
1: Um, I actually grew tomatoes. And ironically, deer love tomatoes. And I was a little nervous about doing it, but I decided, hey, I'm going to just buckle down and do it. And um, I grew these beautiful tomatoes And it was wonderful. I I love gardening. I encourage everyone who is interested in starting a vegetable garden to go out there and try it. They will love it and it'll get you in touch with nature. And um, you'll have a a more appreciation of where your food truly comes from and how to be sustainable.
0: For sure. Uh, that's one of the things I love about my podcast is like, it's totally inspired me to get out in the garden so much more than ever before. So tomatoes grew up. What about something like, is there something you're excited to try different next year? Something you are to?
1: I think I want to try peppers. I'm really into peppers and, uh, salads. And so I think, yeah, peppers might be my next adventure.
0: Yeah. I think peppers and tomatoes go really good together. Uh, And they both kind of have those same. So like now in Pennsylvania, I would think you would have really cold weather. And like, did you have any struggles getting your tomatoes to ripen? Because that's something we struggle with here in Montana is getting the tomatoes. I like to plant cherry tomatoes myself because they're pretty much guaranteed to ripen.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, the cold weather can be challenging in many parts of the country. And so there are various techniques. You may need to move your outdoor plants inside or in a cold frame, or uh, you may need to drape them over with some sheets or just something to insulate the plants. So that is something to keep in mind as you move forward with gardening, especially in the winter time.
0: Yeah, and peppers are really warm weather. They like warm weather, like tomatoes. Well, how about did you try anything last year that didn't work so well, or didn't go the way you th- thought it was, or did you just only grow tomatoes and they worked out? I
1: well? only grew, <laughs> I only grew tomatoes. Um, It was it was a starter project for my new house, and um, it was successful. So I'm going to continue the trend and work my way up. And that is something that I really do think is a good point for beginning gardeners that don't get too ambitious. Don't get too excited. Gardening is a labor of love and it's, it can get expensive quickly. So take one project at a time, see what works and try a few different techniques. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be great.
0: Cool. I love all that advice. Well, we're already at the part of the show I call getting to the root of things. So like, do you have a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Is there something you got to kind of force yourself to get out there and do with the tomatoes? Even,
1: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm so bad about pulling weeds, but it's such an important part, and it's actually, it may even be the most important part of gardening. Pulling weeds, they can suffocate plants, and they will completely kill off your entire garden. So it's important to do that. Um, Watering, when I first started gardening, I was so bad about water. I just kind of assumed that they would get all of their nutrients from the ground, and it's not the case. So watering, especially when it's um, getting warmer outside, it's important to water your plants early in the morning before the you know this the heat of the sun really comes down and just scoops up all of the moisture. So
0: these are tactics that. Uh, people need to realize for starting a garden. Sure. I love that. Uh, um, Evaporation. Like, I like, I created this book called The Green Queen, and it's like, the green queen may seem really mean, and she might even scream. But like, one of the people in the picture is like, I saw this friend of ours, and he was like, watering outside on like a Friday afternoon in the middle of the summer, which is like, he's like, but it's five o'clock, I gotta go home soon. I'm like, this is like the worst time you could water, because in Montana, it stays late till like 11 o'clock, so that's like, almost like watering at noon, like in the hottest part of the sun. I'm like, it's evaporating while we're standing here. I'm like, what are you doing watering? And he's like, oh, well, this is my job at the end of the day. And, um, that just drives me crazy because it's such a waste of water. And like you said, yeah, if you water early in the morning, it will suck up that water. And, uh, what was I going to say? I'm just dying to know, like, so where were your tomato plants? Were they in the ground, in a bed, in pots? Like, where did you grow these tomato plants?
1: I considered uh, growing them in pots and I actually ended up growing them just outside in my backyard. It just in like a raised garden bed. And that was it.
0: Okay. I'm going to give you another tip for the weeds that I have recently learned. So there's like, I don't know if you've heard of like the no-till permaculture, like, and so like, I've always wondered about if you don't till, what do you do with the weeds? And like what I've finally learned after watching Steve Sedara's, um, webinar and I actually asked him, I was like, well, what about the weeds? And he's like, what you do is you cut them off when they're, and just let them drop it, but leave the roots in the ground and just let them drop and then cover them with like a good compost or a good mulch. So, um, but they're, they're pretty like the big no tell movement is don't pull those weeds, cut them off, chop them off, drop and chop and drop and let that, um, mulch it. And it's so funny because Mike has always been telling me, he's like, Yeah, you can just leave the weeds there. It's good mulch. Just leave it, leave it. And I've always kind of felt weird about that. But now I finally learned the answer is chop those weeds off. Don't actually pull those roots off out of the ground. So I don't know. Maybe a little tip for you. Uh, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, now, granted, most people on my show also still say that their favorite tool is a hoe. But I think a lot of them like the hoe because it's sharp and it just cuts them off. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, as you can tell, I'm more the organic eater than the organic gardener. And I've only really been um, learning this last couple of years. So what's your favorite activity to do in the garden then? Is it harvesting?
1: Yes, actually. <laughs> That's funny that you said that. I I absolutely love to see uh, the, the fruit of my labor, <laughs> so to speak. And um, it it is so amazing really to see your hard work uh, finally blooming and you get to really enjoy it. So like I said earlier, you get to really see how to be sustainable. You realize that gardening can feed a family of four for over a month and it, it takes a lot of maintenance, a lot of hard work, but it is totally worth it.
0: You know, I like the way that you put that. It can feed a family of four for over a month. Because, like, Mike's main goal has been to feed us for an entire year. Like, to totally either... And maybe not replace our entire produce bill, but to supplement it as much as they can. But... I like that part that, yeah, you can definitely feed a family of four for over a month. I mean, Mike grows a lot of food that, um, you know, that we can't necessarily preserve or like, I'm going crazy this summer. I feel like he fed me so much green food. I mean, this winter. Last summer, like I walked by the produce aisle for so long, that like now that I'm forced to like go back to like looking for lettuce and salad in the middle of February, I'm just really frustrated. <laughs> uh, but feeling pretty spoiled oh, during the summer that he yeah, does completely. grow. Yeah, completely. And and it, you know, you brought up a good point about the
1: grocery store. It's also the cost savings. Yeah. If you would just start your garden, you'll realize how much money you're saving and you're feeding your family better quality things that you know you're putting into their bodies. You don't have to worry about the chemicals and this, that, and the other. So sustainability is just one of many reasons to start a garden.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So what's the best gardening advice you've ever received?
1: The best gardening advice I ever receive was to take things slowly to not put all your eggs in one basket to just to just take one one step at a time if you want to plant tomatoes read up on it do your research before you dig into the ground because if you do not do your research it is going to fall apart <laughs> that is not bad wishes on anyone it's just the truth you you need to read up on the type of vegetable or fruit that you want to plant. Do they need direct sunlight? Do they need, you know, water, certain soil types? All of these are going to affect whether your garden grows or doesn't grow.
0: You are so right there. And like, and even like, you know, making sure you have all the right nutrients in your soil type. Like, do you need to plant a cover crop or add some manure like, what's like, what does your specific, uh, soil type need? And then like Mike and I have been pouring through the seed catalogs because finding the right seeds for your climate is a huge part. So I love that you started out with do your research and start small. I would say that same thing. How about a favorite tool you like to use? If you had to move and can only take one tool with you, or it sounds like you did just move. I did. And
1: uh, yes, I, I have a new house and, I I think there are many tools that really are great starter tools. First of all, you need a great pair of gloves. I started out with a cheap pair of gloves, and it doesn't cut it. And you will really appreciate your gardening gloves after a, a couple of hours in the garden. Second, you need a great watering can, and you need a great shovel. Those are probably the top three. Um, and then I would definitely get a wheelbarrow or something to help move from point A to point B.
0: Awesome. Those are great. Did you find like a good pair of gloves that you can recommend? Have you ever, like, I've been wanting to get my mom this pair of bionic garden gloves that I found that look like they're really cool.
1: Yes, I've actually used those. Those are perfect.
0: Uh Cool uh how about do you have a favorite recipe you like to cook with those tomatoes
1: i i'm really into italian foods so just making my own tomato sauce is beautiful yes i love i love cooking
0: yeah i have a homemade tomato sauce with fresh garlic and olive oil and real tomatoes yum uh how about do you have like a favorite internet resource or a place you like to surf on the web
1: um I I actually float around to different um Department of Wildlife and Forestry websites ironically because they don't just give tips on gardening but they give uh tips on wildlife control so I know what to expect as the seasons change.
0: Hey, do you have any tips for like other animals besides deer like uh I know my, a lot of my listeners have trouble with like moles and mice and gophers and things like that?
1: Yes. So for white-tailed deer, uh, the most effective means for deer management is a deer fence. Uh, people want a seven and a half to eight foot high fence. Um, for coyotes or wolves, they can get away with a six foot high metal fence. And for rabbits, they only need two to three feet high. But the main Problem with rabbits and even groundhogs are that they burrow and they create tunnels. And the pesky critters can be really troubling and they could be a headache for gardeners. So, what people should do is they should trench a rabbit or groundhog fence into the ground about six to 12 inches to prevent burrowing. So, that is the fencing part of controlling your wildlife and keeping them away from gardens. The second Thought for wildlife management is to plant um, deer-resistant flowers, marigolds, daffodils, verbena, uh, garlic, certain herbs. These are all plants that deer and rabbits they hate the taste and smell of. They may take a few bites here and there, but overall, they hate the taste and smell of these plants, and they will turn their nose and walk away. Uh, The last thought is that they can uh, sprinkle deer repellents around the yard. These are granular or liquid-based repellents that usually do have um, like hot pepper and garlic. Those are also, um, you know, things that deer and other wildlife hate.
0: You know, another, I was just reading through this interview I did with, um, Oh my gosh, am I gonna blank out her name from Garden Know-How? She's another rock star millennial. Um, I want to say it's Crystal Waterworth. But anyway, she had talked about um keeping animals and she wrote a thing about um like on the top of your fence, like putting like pots and pans that can kind of blow in the wind and making noise. She said that was one of the really effective ways uh of keeping critters out of your garden. Yes, oh.
1: even uh, even laser pointers. If it, it as long as there's a noise or some kind of light that'll shine and startle them. That's why a lot of times you'll see shiny paper or um, even scarecrows that get rid of birds. It's to it's to startle them and derail them. So those are all good
0: tactics. Yeah, and I'll bet that does work because deer they are pretty skitterish. Uh yes. What else was I going to ask? What about the portable electric fencing? Because, like I said, I know John Moore was interested in that. And, like, um, I just... I am just trying to, like... Our big problem that we have are critters getting, like, our chickens. Somehow, like, we just lost two new chickens this winter. Something, like, Mike almost thinks it's, like, a weasel that got in. I don't know how. And somehow he managed to... He must have found the hole because it hasn't come back. Got into our chicken pan. And like, I don't know, that's like one big struggle we have is predators getting into our, so what about the electric fencing?
1: So electric fencing is, um, a really good technique. It's actually the number one technique for gardeners who have a bear problem. Um, it, it's recommended for bear deterrence. Uh, yeah, our fish wildlife also, and parks, people yeah. say that
0: all the time. I go so crazy. I'm like, we live in the woods. If you don't want a bear in your yard, why are you living in Eureka, Montana?
1: If, like... uh, you know what? And it's true. <laughs> and <laughs> bears, bears are coming out of hibernation. They've already come out of hibernation right now. So they are hungry. They've, you know, they've been away for a couple of months and they are ready to destroy gardens. So Electric fencing for bear deterrence is the way to go. Uh, gardeners also use electric fencing for deer management. A lot of people have stuck um, peanut butter or other types of um, incentives for deer, and it it keeps deer at bay. They also use electric fencing to keep away coyotes, especially uh, for poultry farmers who do have chickens or turkeys or Um, any other type of bird. So electric fencing is another great option. It doesn't have to be plastic or metal. Any sort of deterrence to keep away wildlife is the way to go.
0: Yeah, what was I going to say there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, big coyotes are a big problem. We hear coyotes a lot. I think what actually got some of our animals were like mountain lions. They're... uh, they, they, And they never hibernate, you know, like the bears. So anyway, how about a favorite reading material, like a book or a magazine or anything you can recommend?
1: I recommend, I do, I recommend The American Gardener. It is uh, the official publication for the American Horticulture Society. And um, it will have all sorts of gardening advice throughout each issue for every month of the year. So I would definitely check it out.
0: Okay. So since you are coming from Deerbusters, a business, do you have any business advice for listeners about, I don't know, anything that you've learned? Like, are you their PR person? or like, What do you do there? Like, What's your specific job, I guess?
1: I am a marketing and PR manager for Deerbusters.com, deer fencing. And my main advice is to look into installing a deer fence. Spring is around the corner. And this is the time of year where Deer are going to be most active. They are hungry. Deer have been eating nothing but twigs and leaves for the last couple of months, and they are ready to indulge on gardens and farms. Um, This is also the time of year where bears are coming out of hibernation. Get electric fencing. And uh, for DeerBusters.com, we offer both retail and wholesale rates, we offer free shipping over $99. This is a, an easy way to keep uh, not just deer, but other garden critters out of landscapes.
0: Cool. Uh, all right. Well, are you ready for my final question? It's kind of a doozy. I'm ready okay if there's one change Jennifer you'd like to see to create a greener world what would it be for example is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action like what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment either locally nationally or on a global scale
1: I think that people need to really invest in gardening I think that we spend too much time at the grocery store, and we need to invest more in school gardening programs. There is a great organization that Deer Buster's partners with. It's called Kids Gardening, and they do have grant programs available and grant funding for school gardens across the country. And if we can teach our children about where their food comes from, then we can help help invest in agriculture and keep the world spinning. So that is really where it starts. I think it starts with educating our children and it starts with school gardens.
0: Awesome. How about just like an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start their own gardens?
1: Anybody can do it. I can do it. You can definitely do it. Just do your research Don't go too crazy. It will get expensive quickly, but more than expensive, it is a passion that you will love for the rest of your life.
0: Awesome. So I don't know where Waynesboro, Pennsylvania is, but when we were kids, we went to this place on Pennsylvania called Hawk Mountain. Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) I have not. (laughs) Well, you should look it up and check it out because, like, it's like this, I don't know, it's like the craziest place. It's kind of near Amish country because, like, my parents took us and, like, you climbed up this mountain and you came out on this, like, rock ledge and, like, there's people on chairs with binoculars and they'll be like, hawk at 10 o'clock or hawk at 3 o'clock, like, and there's all these people up there pointing. But I kind of sat on the other edge and watched the Amish people down below. I thought that was really cool. But it was so beautiful. And I don't know, it's a fun place in Pennsylvania if you ever go. Wow. Um anyway, tell us your website and how they find Deer Busters and um, they can look, like check out the shipping. I mean, check out the fencing.
1: Deer Busters is uh, an online company. We're on deerbusters.com. And uh, if you're local to Maryland or Pennsylvania, you can come by and check us out but we do not have physical locations across the country. So deerbusters.com is the way to go. We also have an active social media platform, Facebook and Twitter, and we are ready to help answer any questions and help our growers protect their landscapes from wildlife damage.
0: Okay. So I did just like, that's kind of what I was trying to ask before. Like, do you have like, because a lot of my listeners are people who, want to like start a market farm or like grow like a green business or something like we're more than just gardeners like we want a green future for everybody and like we want to see the whole planet be like organic and like like did you go to college and get like a degree in social media marketing or like where did you like learn that kind of stuff and like do you have any tips for what makes an uh like effective social media campaign
1: I went to school for advertising and marketing, and I really got into the great outdoors, which is what brought me to Deer Busters. I think that um, Deer Busters uses a lot of uh, videos and pictures because we are an online company. So I think it is important to apply that to social media, apply it to websites. And I think that that is the only way to really help an online company succeed
0: awesome all right well thanks so much for sharing with us today jennifer and uh i don't know have a wonderful day well thank you you do the same Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just twenty six ninety five, And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth hey there green future growers would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too Would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards if so we would love it if you would share the organic gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today thanks again for listening and remember grow local